Hello there, welcome to The Quest. Announcements. Firstly, you may be aware that the last couple of episodes have not followed our usual frequency pattern of every two weeks, which I have maintained for over two and a half years now. I won't take up your time with details of my work and family commitments, but basically I need to reduce the frequency for a while at least. Secondly, the Quest series of online lectures and meetings which examines visionaries from across the ages and focuses on the crises of our times, will be starting again in September 2021. Some of you may wish to join it. It's an evolving series and this programme will have changes that reflect the developing crisis of our times. However, you can get an idea of the contents by looking at the syllabi on the Quest section of my website, alanmulhern.com. You may also wish to join us for the remaining lectures of this cycle. The immediate one is February the 27th, subject How do technology and economic systems alter and evolve human consciousness? April the 24th, is human nature about to fundamentally change? May the 29th, does Jungian psychology offer liberation as well as insight? The quest for spiritual freedom. And June the 26th, multidimensional crises and visions for the 21st century. The human prospect, growth, dark age or extinction. At this stage of the podcast, I'm giving an overview of each of the crises. The horsemen, so to speak. And so far I've covered the pandemic and the economic crisis. Next, I wish to sketch the financial crisis. This will take more than one episode. It's a very large, complex, fascinating and fast evolving topic. Before I begin, I wish to explain some terms. After which, if you piece them together with the last episode on the economic crisis, you will possess a coherent narrative, comprehensible to non-specialists on the recent history and likely future development of this financial crisis which has actually begun. It will also be of interest to those who have had a training in economics and finance, since much of this training does not prepare for this financial crisis at all. So terminology, certain concepts, financialization. This is the process by which the financial sector has become ever more powerful and embedded with government. For example, after the 2008 crash, the governments of the Western world spent tens of millions in consultancy fees to get advice on how to exit the crisis. Who were their main advisors? Why the banks and heads of financial markets, of course, who advised them to bail out their banking and financial markets at all costs. Otherwise, the world as we knew it would cease to exist. Yet it was the banks and financial system that created the crash. You could hardly make it up if you tried. Numerous other examples could be given, but time does not permit. The banks, finance system and government are deeply enmeshed with one another. Quantitative easing. This has been a major tool of monetary policy post-2008. A central bank creates money to buy government and private sector securities 
or to lend directly, especially to the financial system. Moral hazard. This refers to the dangers of continuing or augmenting risk by allowing certain behaviours to continue. For example, the government's providing practically unlimited support to banking and capital markets allows and encourages them to continue their same dangerous practices. Government and central bank interventions have engendered enormous moral hazard, as well as corruption in the financial system in recent decades. Price discovery. This is the essence of the free market functioning. Prices are the signalling system that allow the economy to function properly. Without a proper pricing system, for example when a currency disintegrates, the economy falters and can collapse. There is no computer that can replace the myriad of market decisions that take place every moment in a large economy. This is not only a question of scale, since prices are changing and interacting continuously, but because most of the wishes and decisions underlying the prices are emergent in the economic system as it changes and evolves. These wishes and prices are as if semi-conscious and only become known in the transactions themselves. This is the fundamental reason, explained by Hayek almost 100 years ago, why centrally planned systems cannot work. The distributed knowledge within the market system cannot be replicated because it is emergent. Please note, on the other hand, that there is considerable experience that the price system, when left completely to itself, also has deep problems. For example, those of inequality and distribution or the development of monopolies and non-competitive practices. Some balance of state interference and market functioning is required, and each society has to work out the balance between these forces. This is an empirical issue. Nowhere is this more relevant than with respect to the most fundamental price of all, the price of money, interest rates, which relate therefore, to all output and consumption in the economy. With respect to the contemporary situation, the term price discovery is especially pertinent because this function is being severely curtailed in the economy by governments and central banks, which have been flooding the banking, finance and capital markets with liquidity, cheap loans, grants and interest rates held at close to zero. While supposedly providing short-term reliefs, such policies damage the economy and financial system in the medium and long term. By manipulating the money system, the central banks create fundamental distortions in the economy. For example, the extraordinary disconnection of many stock exchanges from the real economy, with all its consequent dangers. This is explained by the massive flooding of the financial system with liquidity. This arises from excessive money creation and borrowing, which leads to a debt mountain as well as to a distorted economy. This is simply the road to financial Armageddon. Gosbank was the name of the only bank in the Soviet Union from the 1930s to the 1980s. Gosbankification, our next very strange term, therefore is the process of total government control of the banking system. Why is this relevant today? 
because at first the banks and now capital markets are being underwritten by the governments, the state, and are totally dependent on this support. The financial system has therefore been largely socialised, and this has been done in the Western world by governments who have been of the right and left of centre. Practically all parties have agreed. In addition, I wish to remind you of some terms used in recent podcasts when exploring the economic crisis. Zombies, or the walking dead, are those firms only surviving because of unpaid debts and low interest rates. When interest rates rise or the subsidies end, then such firms go into bankruptcy. The number of firms in this category has grown significantly since 2008, and of course, during the pandemic this number has again increased to a level impossible to determine in advance. But figures of 15 to 20% of the economy have been suggested. Apart from corporate bankruptcies, there will also be much disguised unemployment because of the furloughs or subsidies to firms to maintain employment levels during the pandemic. When the fiscal support stops, there will be a wave of corporate bankruptcies plus rising unemployment. At present, all of this fiscal support, government expenditure pushed into the economy, far exceeds the diminished levels of taxation. Consequently, this underlying crisis of corporate bankruptcies and soaring unemployment is disguised by rising public or budget deficits. That is the annual amount by which government spending exceeds taxation. The national debt is the yearly increase of these budget deficits, which have to be financed by some form of debt or money creation. The point is that the economy becomes crippled, zombified, by increasing debt and distorted money creation, government loans, low interest rates and the like. Next concept, the gales of creative destruction, mentioned quite a few times in this series. This refers to the natural process of death and renewal of companies in the economic system. This is the process by which new technologies arise and become adopted by new firms that take over the economic space and the process of decay and disappearance of older firms unable to adapt sufficiently to these incoming technologies. If this process is impeded, then so is the natural renewal of the economy. One of the symptoms of this is a stagnating economy and stagnating productivity. One of the main results of the huge quantitative easing, QE programmes, cheap money, low interest rates, grants, loans and bailouts by national governments and central banks is to precisely impede this process, this natural renewal process. From the point of view of the gales of creative destruction, a recession has to be gone through. It should not be avoided. Yes, governments can mitigate the impact on the poorer sections of the population, but attempting to rescue the whole of the economy and especially the whole financial system and holding it in place, as it was before, is hubris and a route to failure. It creates a zombie banking system as well as a zombie economy. Debt. There are different levels of debt, as you know, personal for example, overdrafts, credit cards and the like, corporate debt of companies, be they financial or non-financial, 
local and national government debt. In the above sketch on zombification, I touched only on national debt, that is, the government debt. But all of these levels of debt have risen dramatically in recent years. This rising debt not only papers over the cracks of the economic system, but basically damages the economy in the long run as it becomes addicted to increased debt. It is widely known that many governments can never pay off their debts, especially when they reach 100% plus as a ratio of GDP. Governments openly admit that they hope inflation will spirit away the debt over time, which means that those suffering the inflation will indirectly pay the consequences of the debt. The levels of irresponsibility of modern governments are frightening. But the debts are now so large that there is no way back. Greater debt is piled on existing debt. And so the whole madness becomes worse. A similar story could be told for the frightening level of personal and corporate debt. A simple narrative. An economic and financial system is tremendously complex. Simplifying it always has dangers. With this qualification in mind, you may now string together the above concepts to create a meaningful narrative which runs something like this. Over recent decades, there has been an increase of financialization by which the financial elites and governments have become embedded with one another. Changes in political and economic policy since the late 1980s, allied with digital technologies, allowed a vast expansion of credit and money creation, fueling the stock exchanges, corporate and financial dealings of all kinds. Certain asset prices, shares and housing for example, experienced enormous inflation. After the Wall Street crash of 1929, the subsequent bank collapses and the Great Depression, the United States administration put stringent controls over financial markets. This became embodied in the Glass-Steagall Act of 1933 and held the banking and financial system in restraint until the deregulation of the late 1980s, which let a tiger loose in a freewheeling financial system in the Western world, which still has not been controlled and has become a major cause of the current world crisis. Once again, there has emerged an out-of-control financial system, aided and abetted by national governments and central banks with their misguided policies of enormous debt, extraordinary and excessive money creations and the allowing of financial markets, especially the shadow banking and shadow financial system, to run amok. There has also been an explosion of trading and speculative assets on stock exchanges. This has helped create a zombified banking sector and an economy where productivity has stagnated, actually right across the globe, and a vast debt mountain has been created, again across the globe, that will, I expect, shortly collapse. In fact, it has collapsed recently on two occasions in the United States, September 2019 and March 2020, more of which on another occasion, for which a huge bailout was carried out and the Alice in Wonderland policies continue. The European Union has also engaged in a vast debt programme recently and the distribution of funds, especially to countries such as Spain and Italy, 
which were threatening to leave the European Union. Every time the government bails out the system, the speculators and traders know that vastly more credit will flow into the system for them to take advantage of. Moral hazard has increased enormously. The financial system has been largely socialised, that is, guaranteed and underpinned by the state. And now, with the pandemic, this has occurred in many of the world's developed economies as well. So not only in the financial system, underpinned by the state, but also the so-called real economy. This is a new stage of the capitalist system, in which the differences between the Chinese and the Western economic and financial systems gets ever more difficult to distinguish. In the event of a major collapse of the financial system, it's very possible that the world's central banks will take over the whole financial markets and CBDCs, central bank digital currencies, will become the new order. This is what is being discussed in committees of the major central banks in the Western world as they formulate a response to the emerging financial crisis. You have all heard of cryptocurrencies, but what are CBDCs, central bank digital currencies? These could well be the vehicle by which governments and central banks attempt a takeover of the financial system and therefore the economy as a whole. The whole of the banking sector could therefore eventually be nationalised. CBDCs would replace cash, traditionally provided by central banks, and also the credit system, traditionally provided by commercial or high street banks and other financial companies, and the central bank would therefore establish control over the whole stock of money and credit. See, a large part of the money and credit stock had been provided privately by high street banks, which are private and financial institutions, which are private. All of that would be taken over by the state. This could be presented as the necessary measure to bring about freedom from the chaos of financial markets. But with digital technologies, every move you make, everything you spend, all your income, all taxation and all transactions are traceable, accountable and under control of the central banks. If you think this through, the remains of liberty would have vanished. For those of you who have leanings towards conspiracy theory, you will find this ideal material to support your theories. Hayek wrote in The Road to Serfdom, quote, There can be no doubt that the promise of greater freedom has become one of the most effective weapons of socialist propaganda and that the belief that socialism would bring freedom is genuine and sincere. But this would only heighten the tragedy if it should prove that what was promised to us as the road to freedom was in fact the high road to servitude. Parallel to and stimulated by this, a new type of Bretton Woods agreement in which the dollar will be replaced as the world reserve currency. This will mean an end of America as a world power and certainly the end of its ability to raise colossal amounts of loans from the rest of the world and therefore run a huge balance of payments deficit. Statements from the Chinese Communist Party indicate that a key driver 
of the move to a Chinese digital currency is the need for a financial architecture which exists outside United States-dominated finance, US monitoring and law enforcement. Quote, we must make preparations to break free from dollar hegemony and gradually realise the decoupling of the Rembibi from the dollar, said Zhu Li, a former Deputy Minister of the International Liaison Department, in a June 2020 article. An openly stated desire by China is to challenge the dominance of the United States dollar, especially in international trade settlements. We shall be living in a completely different economic world, and the old liberties, hardly valued and easily lost, will be a distant memory of another age. A totalitarian state could not hope for more. Since the economics profession provides such meagre guidance on these matters, I expect that most countries will slip into this state, hardly knowing what is happening. After all, most people think we're halfway there already with online payments, credit cards, debit cards, increasingly a cashless economy. So what does it matter for most people, whether their money comes from high street banks or from central government? But the prospect of total government control of the whole stock of money and credit is an unprecedented change in not only our financial system, but in the whole concept of liberty, that is, liberty from government. It would give the government enormous power over everybody. The majority of observers will probably approve given the dangers which the financial system has proved so instrumental in creating. Central banks could step in as the saviours, gradually nationalising the banking system and controlling the financial universe with new digital currencies. And unlike private cryptocurrencies, they will be organised, underpinned and guaranteed by governments and central banks. Customers will flock to the security of these systems and thereby deliver to the state their freedoms. The road to serfdom, already mentioned, was written by Hayek during World War II, when Nazism and totalitarianism was threatening to engulf the whole of Europe. In it he wrote, quote, and an authority directing the whole economic system of the country would be the most powerful monopolist conceivable. It would have complete power to decide what we are going to be given and on what terms. It would not only decide what commodities and services were to be available and in what quantities, it would be able to direct their distributions between persons to any degree it liked. Unquote. Those are simply economic matters. But if you think about its control over people's behaviour in general, these would be very extensive if you control every aspect of their finance. Now, you may think such a dystopia could never come about. Well, it already has. Cambodia introduced a government digital currency last year. Sweden is quite advanced in experimentation with some prototypes of CBDCs. The European Union has produced a detailed report and is starting consultations on a digital euro. The European Central Bank has said it is a matter of when, not if, the digital euro currency will be launched. It stresses, however, that it will only be in response to consumer demand, so 
it is very confident of a positive response from the European populations. And Hayek wrote to Serfdom again, quote, We are ready to accept almost any explanation of the present crisis of our civilization, except one, that the present state of the world may be the result of genuine error on our own part, and that the pursuit of some of our most cherished ideals has apparently produced results utterly different from those which we expected. Unquote. In a Financial Times article on CBDCs on 16th of February 2021, it reports that of 60 central banks surveyed by the Bank for International Settlements last year, more than 40 of them reported that they were conducting experiments or proof-of-concept studies on digital currencies. Among these, 14% were moving towards pilot programmes, and that was last year. This year the figures are, of course, far higher. And perhaps most importantly, China is currently running an experiment in four cities to test the system of digital currency and intends to launch it right across China and then beyond. It is certainly intended to be in place for the Winter Olympics 2022 in Beijing. This is one year away. Quote, Chinese policymakers are by far the most advanced in their thinking about a digital currency, unquote, says the Financial Times. Be assured, this is one of the largest changes in world financial history, and China is leading the way. It will, in my opinion, lead to a completely different world order. Our immediate episodes ahead will explore what, in essence, is a financial crisis and what might be the new world financial order. Further down the episode list of our podcasts, when we explore technology and human nature, the conflict of ideas and the spiritual vacuum of our age, I shall consider the impact of the immense and accelerating technological change upon human nature. I shall argue that an anchor inside of the individual needs to be found. Otherwise, the mighty postmodern storm that is reshaping human identity will blow us where it will. <laughs>